It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Well, Rich, these are very busy times, aren't they? My well, word. The president was over to England and then on to Normandy. It was very busy. And the news, of course, is nonstop. Hate Trump, hate our president, mm. and uh, and it's a mess, isn't it? Well, it's very interesting times in which to live. And, of course, he was over there to commemorate the 75th yeah. anniversary of the Normandy invasion, yeah. which was well, the beginning of the repeal yeah. of the Nazi advance. I tell you what, you're right, but before we get into that, I want the listeners to Bot Radio Network to be reminded what it's all about. As far as we are concerned, we are Christians. Now, if we are Christians, then what does any of this mean to us one way or the other? And it is important, but this is the center of our thought patterns in our life and our heart. Here it is. There is a light that shines so bright, the morning star in the darkest night. Jesus, he is the light. There is a river that runs deep This river runs inside of me Jesus, he flows endlessly He's the shepherd of the sheep He's bread when I need to eat He's the flowers in the spring He's a song I can sing Jesus is everything He's the shepherd of the sheep He's bread what I need to eat He's the flowers in the spring He's a song I can sing Jesus is everything Jesus is everything Jesus is everything See, that's why we broadcast, folks. That's why the Bible teaching ministries that we carry on Bot Radio Network is all about. Hmm. Uh, that is the beginning and the end. If you're a Christian, of course you care about things around you and your family and your church and your school system and your community because, not in spite of, because you're a Christian, right, Rich? Oh, yes. Dad, that's a beautiful song. I've never heard that before. You have quite a repertoire. <laughs> All right. Now, for many years, I have heard about McLean Bible Church uh-huh. outside of Washington, D.C. I know years ago, McLean Bible Church was talked about by many of my friends as a good church. I think they had a Christian school that was part of the church. And it really preached the gospel. I know some of our friends, Rich, that came to know the Lord there. So uh, so anyway, it's a good place, isn't it? Well, it is, Dad. And you remember uh, last week, and we were talking about this on Bot Radio Network, where Franklin Graham encouraged people all across the country, pastors and Christian leaders and everybody, to pray for the president. Yes. The Lord impressed on his heart to take Sunday, June 2nd, to pray for the President of the United States. 
uh, Republican or, or Democrat. The point is he's a president. Right. He is the man the people elected. He's the president. As I understand it, uh, Donald Trump had been golfing that Sunday morning out on the golf course, and then he stopped in, had his uh, golfing trousers on and a sport coat and that sort of thing. He stopped in uh, unannounced at McLean Bible Church. Tell us about it. Right, and he took off his golf cap as the pastor invited him up onto the platform, uh, and he was kind of kind of uh, surprised to see the president there, and he took that opportunity to pray for the president in person at church on yeah. Sunday morning, just this past Sunday, now, June second. Now listen, folks, uh, go all the way back to your own memory, and some of the presidents you really admired and. I, I go all the way back, I think, before Harry Truman. We all, I go all the way back to Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and I've kind of followed each and every one of them since then. And as a Christian, I was raised in a Christian home, um, and we knew that some were affiliated with this church or that church or maybe not at all or anything. However, listen to me, people, it's it's historic that a president of the United States just showed up at a church, an evangelical church, McLean Bible Church. Uh, tell us about it, Richard. Yeah, it's an evangelical, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. And their new pastor is David Platt, and a tremendous man of God and a student of Scripture. And I heard him pray at the National Day of Prayer just a few weeks ago, Dad, and he is a powerful man of prayer and uh, loves God's Word. And then he prayed for the president. And you can see this no, no, also I, on our website yeah, at yeah. botradionetwork.com. Okay, now, now here's the thing. I think most of our listening audience probably has not seen this on the news because I know a lot of the news networks, they didn't make anything of it. Some of them didn't even report it at all. I don't know why. We, I'll leave that up to the audience to figure out why this was not newsworthy enough to be reported widely. But here is Pastor David Platt uh, in comments, and then he prays for President Donald Trump. Right there on his platform. Here it is. We have a unique opportunity today as a church. Um, we just talked about how what unites us in this room is not our ethnicity, not our background, and not our politics. What unites us in this room is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the word of God that tells us, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. We have in this city a unique opportunity to pray for leaders who are part of this church and leaders who stop in unexpectedly to this church. And so we, we, count it, we count it an honor to be able to pray for any leader in any position, any leader from any party, 
including our current president. So I want to invite us to do what 1 Timothy chapter 2 says to do. Many of you may have seen that there was a call to, to particularly on this Sunday, pray for our president. We don't want to do that just on this Sunday. We want to do that continually, day in and day out. So I want to ask us to bow our heads together now and pray for our president. Oh God, we praise you as the one universal king over all. You are our leader and our Lord, and we worship you. There is one God and one Savior, and it's you, and your name is Jesus, and we exalt you, Jesus. And we know we need your mercy. We need your grace. We need your help. We need your wisdom in our country. And so we stand right now on behalf of our president, and we pray for your grace and your mercy and your wisdom upon him. God, we pray that he would know how much you love him, so much that you have sent Jesus to die for his sins, our sins. So we pray that he would look to you, that he would trust in you, that he would lean on you, that he would govern and make decisions in ways that are good for justice and good for righteousness and good for equity, every good path. Lord, we pray, we pray that you would give him all the grace he needs to govern in ways that we just saw in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that lead to peaceful and quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way. God, we pray for your blessing in that way upon his family. We pray that you would give them strength. We pray that you would give them clarity, wisdom, wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Please, oh God, give him wisdom and help him to lead our country alongside other leaders. We pray today for leaders in Congress. We pray for leaders in courts. We pray for leaders at national and state levels. Please, oh God, help us to look to you. Help us to trust in your word. Help us to seek your wisdom and live in ways that reflect your love and your grace, your righteousness and your justice. We pray for your blessings on our president toward that end. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Isn't that something, Rich? I, well, mean, I mean, this was, this was historic. Well, it's just wonderful. And, you know, prayer is real. There's power in prayer. And when people pray for the president, then that has an impact. Yeah. And, of course, Dad, this was last Sunday, June 2nd, and then he was leaving for England to begin the celebration, begin the commemoration, really, for the 75th anniversary of D-Day. And representing the United States over there. Well, I'll tell you what, just in case some of our younger audience has not had a good history lesson mm -hmm. coming through our school systems, D-Day, explain it. Well, D-Day, that's when, that's when the, the, probably the largest armada of, of ships and, and people at that time 
went across the English Channel to land on Omaha Beach and yes. and these other beaches to begin to repel the Nazi advance across right. Europe and to begin to win World War II. They, they call them the ge- the greatest generation. The greatest generation because absolutely. And some of those boys that jumped out of the airplane and parachuted in, my word, two, three months before then, they were, they were home in some little community. And I've heard somebody say some of them hadn't been even outside their town. Here all of a sudden they were. Now, President Donald Trump in the course of the celebration there, listen to this, folks. He read a prayer that Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was president then, uh, read over the radio. There was no television, of course, anything like that. But President Roosevelt, may I tell you, he was a Democrat. You know, a Democrat or a Republican. I'll tell you, then there was recognition for prayer and for God and how important that was in our society, if we were going to bind together and get something done for the good of it. Now, this is what the President Donald Trump read in the ceremonies over in Europe uh, just this past week, and here it is. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. They will need thy blessings, for the enemy is strong. He may hurl back our forces, but we shall return again and again. And we know that by thy grace and by the righteous of our cause, our sons will triumph. Some will never return. Embrace these, Father, and receive them, the heroic servants, into thy kingdom. And, O Lord, give us faith. Give us faith in thee, faith in our sons, faith in each other, and faith in our united crusade. Thy will be done, Almighty God. Amen. You see, now, that was a prayer that was given by Franklin Roosevelt, President of the United States at that time. Well, Folks, how far we have slipped from those days when we had to put our faith in God or there was no way out. Well, not only did he give that prayer, Dad, but he was on national radio speaking to the nation, and he invited the nation to be in prayer with him. He led the whole nation in prayer with those words. And it was powerful. And it was so significant, I think, that in the commemoration of the 75th anniversary of the D-Day invasion, that our president today uh, chose to focus on President Roosevelt's um, prayer to Almighty God and reaffirm our commitment and our dedication and our dependence on God. Now, here is a listener comment that came in. You know, these are, these are typed up uh, in a, um, for Rich and myself to read them. This is, we share them with our whole them. team, everybody. Well, sure, everybody, I guess, our management for sure in Bot Radio Network. Now, listen to what this lady says. Well, it's a good evening, and I am so happy to be able to give you 
a little ring here to let you know how much I appreciate your bot radio messages. I'm sitting here in the chair, and I'm a widow, so I really enjoy your messages. Thank you so much for your time that you take and make life encouraging for us. Thank you. Oh, Rich, I love that. You know, when she said, I'm a widow, it reminded me how many times I've said that the Lord said in the Bible, we are to take care of the widows and the orphans and the halt. Those are the senior citizens, I guess. I qualify for that for sure. So the widows, the orphans, the halt, and the lame, those are the disabled. Those are the categories that the Bible says a a society should have the kindness in their heart to look out for. Absolutely. So now we're going to talk about abortion again. Mm. People may say, oh, man alive. Let me tell you something, folks. If we don't start out caring about the least of these and their right to life, their right to life. Now, here is a story, and I want you to turn your radio up. This is the smallest surviving little baby that has ever lived thus far. Here it is. She's uh, a miracle, that's for sure. She's only five months old, but this baby is already breaking records. Sabi is believed to be the world's smallest surviving baby. She was born at just 23 weeks and three days, weighing 8.6 ounces. That's just over half a pound. While her family is rejoicing now, Sabi's mother says getting to this point wasn't easy. The scariest day of my life. I just felt very uncomfortable, um, and I thought maybe this is part of the pregnancy. They told me that I had um, preeclampsia. Uh, my blood pressure was very, very high, over 200, and they had to deliver her really quick. And I kept telling them that she's not going to survive. She's only, I'm only 23 weeks. Since babies are typically born at 40 weeks, the staff at Sharp Mary Birch Hospital in San Diego wasn't very optimistic the child would survive. They told my husband that he had about an hour with her and that she was going to pass away. But that hour turned into two hours, which turned into a day, which turned into a week. Sabi was defying everyone's expectations as she grew bigger and stronger every day. Nurses at the hospital say they can't take credit for her progress. So we do everything we know how to do as well as we can, and um, after that it's really up to our babies. Um, so some really had the strength to, to go through what they have to go through and grow outside the womb. But Sabi's parents say the staff helped them get through this extremely difficult time with compassion and encouragement. We had so many nurses, but her primary nurses were just, they became friends. I, I don't want to cry. <sighs> Look at all those signs. They made it. You know, I would come in, and then it's like, happy birthday, Mom. It's just... I'm so grateful for them. When it was time for baby Sadie to go home, the staff sent her off in grand style, graduating her from the NICU, as they all beamed with pride and wished her well. I'm just really proud of them and the baby and to see, see I told you. <laughs> um, 
just like see them transform as parents and see this little baby go home that usually is like completely against all odds. I just want her to know how strong she is and how, I mean, if she can start off where she was and do as well as she can be, there's nothing she can't do. Yeah. See, now that's a little girl baby. That's a little girl baby. As I, as I understand it, uh, when she was born, you see, there, or uh, not only did she survive, but my word, she was, I think, eight point something ounces. I mean, man alive, that's less than a pound. That's half a pound. That's half a pound. And you see, maybe she wouldn't have survived, but did people care? Yeah, and you did know, Dad? Did people care about life? Did they care about that little baby girl's life? And that is the issue. Now, listen, folks, sometimes the baby doesn't survive. But do people do everything they can to help that little baby survive? Sometimes it doesn't. But do people care? Listen to this now, and you will hear, you will hear that when the baby doesn't survive, people are in anguish because they cared and they did everything they could. And that is what is important. Listen. It was a textbook pregnancy filled with routine checkups and ultrasound photos. I was excited because I've waited for so long to see her beautiful little face. For Emily and Richard Staley, it was a dream come true, a baby they had already named Monroe Faith. The only thing I wanted to do was hold her and not let go of her. Like many parents, they bought a monitor to listen to the baby's heartbeat at home. But Emily's blissful pregnancy would take a devastating turn this past July. As she fixed her son breakfast, she realized she hadn't felt Monroe kicking since the night before. She reached again for the baby monitor. This time, it only brought silence. So when I couldn't find her heartbeat, like literally I felt like my heart just sank. Emily rushed to the hospital where nurses confirmed what she feared, they too, could not find a heartbeat. And that's when the ultrasound tech had come in and told me that their, her umbilical cord was only showing about two inches and everything else was wrapped around her face. The Staley's were told to come back the next day to deliver their baby girl, who they knew would be stillborn. I just sat in the car literally for like an hour and a half just crying. I couldn't believe what was going on. While Richard and Emily went home to prepare for the birth of their daughter, one of Emily's friends contacted family photographer Lindsay Natsik Viatoro and asked her if she would come to the hospital and document Monroe's birth. I really wanted to capture these first time moments with this family because they were never, ever going to get it back with this baby. Natsik Viatoro was in the operating room as Monroe was delivered by cesarean section. I think the hardest part was her saying to Richard, is she out yet, is she out yet, is she out yet? And she was out. I just remember um, looking at her and she, she knew, she knew when she saw like my face that, that the baby was out and that this was not a dream. Monroe Faith was stillborn on July 26, two weeks before her due date. Full term, she weighed six pounds and two and a half ounces. These photos were taken just moments after her birth. And I just 
yanked my mask down and I just said, she's perfect. And she just screamed. Doctors placed Monroe on her mother's chest. I just pleaded with God to bring her, bring her back, hear her cry. Natsig Viatoro kept shooting as Emily met her daughter after nine months of anticipation. I thought she was the most beautiful baby I've ever seen. There were photos of Monroe's tiny toes and little fingers. She had red hair like me, <laughs> um, her daddy's nose. Photos that captured Emily grasping her child's hand. All the photos most new parents try to take in the hospital. Natsik Viatoro didn't want Monroe's photos to be any different than a baby born alive. I mean, this happens to thousands of people every month. One in 160 births and in stillbirth. Hoping to raise awareness, Natsik Viatoro posted Monroe's photos to her Facebook page with 180,000 followers. With this stillbirth, I really wanted to change the stigma of that whole hush-hush thing, that whole, like, let's not talk about it. The response was overwhelming. Hundreds of thousands of comments. The photos shared all over the world. We only initially did it for ourselves to have pictures of our daughter, but sharing it with the world, it's just nothing but love and support. That's basically all I've really gotten out of it, and it's just truly a blessing. Gifts have been flooding in from people touched by Monroe's photos. It has her birthday and says Monroe Faith. The couple also took that recording of Monroe's beating heart in the womb and put it into a stuffed bunny. That's her little heartbeat. So many reminders of a baby girl who spent not a second on this earth, but managed to touch lives worldwide. She's touching people's lives. She's... Her memories living on. You see, from the moment she was conceived, dear lady, she was alive. That's the point. And the folks, uh, the other thing is, do you care? Does your church care? Uh, does your voting group care about the life of an innocent human being from the moment of conception? If we don't care, what kind of people have we become? in our churches, in our neighborhoods, in our families, and then you help people. And, and you know, Rich, you have said that revival comes after there is a movement of prayer. And that's what we need more than anything, isn't it? Movement of prayer and the powerful proclamation of the Word of God. And yeah. what this illustrates is that the baby is a baby, whether the yes. baby is inside the womb or outside the womb. Exactly. Give us the listener comment line. we got to get out of here. 1-800-345-2621. Our listener comment line, we'd love to hear from you, is 1-800-345-2621. This is Dick Bott with his chapter, The Complete Story as a Public Service. We'll see you later.